Welcome to Conversations with Ask Ash. Conversations with Ask Ash focuses on people, processes, and outcomes. Ashley dives into everyday conversations around work efficiency, team productivity, and project execution. Let's get into the show. And now, your host, Ashley Schuler. Ashley Schuler. What's Ashley happening, Shuler. everyone? And welcome to another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash. I'm excited about this episode. We are in an awesome season right now called the Communication Breakdown. And we've been talking all about the many levels and nuances of communication as it pertains to business, as it pertains to leadership as it pertains to how we communicate with our team members and our clients. And I believe that communication is something that should never be a one-size-fits-all. There is so much in many layers to developing communication, to changing up the style of communication. And I'm super excited to be talking to you all today about a topic that most may say is something that's negative. Oh yeah, it's about conflict. It's about how to fight with grace, right? And we're going to be in the boxing ring today. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, y'all. This is not that kind of podcast, but how to fight with grace. That's the title of the episode. And so what we're going to be diving into is this, because I've thought about this, I've experienced this, and I want to, I want to build this episode around healthy conflict and then how to navigate different opinions and insights and how you can still be able to see the benefit of conflict. Now, what you do with that and how you apply it and what comes of that, that's probably a part two of this episode. But at least right now, let's tackle what it means to have conflict and to fight with grace. All right. So we have some insights and I have some perspectives that I want to share and I want to unpack this. And of course, at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to share your insights with me through either a review um, on Apple, Apple Review, or send me a direct message on LinkedIn or Instagram, whichever platform that you're comfortable with and that you use most often. And then I will link everything in the show notes so that you know where to find me. You know where to find me. So let's talk about why it's important to know how to fight with grace. And I want you to walk with me because I did a podcast interview last season with Crystal Clark, higher ed professional at Vanderbilt. And we talked about communication and conflict a little bit. And one thing that she said is that there's a fear that we have with hurting people's feelings, hurting people's feelings, right? And she's right. There's a a level of when we're working with people and we're communicating our ideas that depending on the situation and, and what's at stake, there could be a a potential that we may offend someone. And there's a category of people who don't care. And then there's a category of people who they do care, but they may not know how to properly express themselves so that they're not being reckless with their words. And then there's some that are like, I'm not even trying to offend anybody. So I don't even like to have any type of confrontation. So one thing that Crystal Clark said, and and she's so right about this, is that conflict is healthy. And she says that when she hires people, she's not hiring for you to think like me. She's like, I'm hiring you for your brain and your ideas. And I thought that was so powerful because we never say that out loud, right? 
And when we think about culture fit and we think about from a hiring perspective, that is, and bringing someone on perspective, somehow, some way, you know, and, and, and I'm just going to go off of my own experience. You know, there's some part of me that often says, all right, self, like I want to get along with this person. I want them to be on the same same wavelength as me. But does that exactly mean that I want them to think like me? Not necessarily. But I value people that challenge me to think in a different way. I know that I will get very much in the weeds of things. I can get technical really quick. I can also at times have the emotions a part of it to some degree. But I often too will have a perspective of because I've led in certain areas and I've been successful in these areas that my particular way or my particular perspective is more than likely the right one or the most appropriate one to move forward with. And that's not always the case. And so even in this season, I am embracing a lot of new alternative perspectives. Would I say that I've been closed off before? Eh, eh, maybe, maybe not. But for me, there's an idea of innovating off of what I'm thinking that's been so attractive to me. So it's like I have an idea and then I have an alternative perspective that says, I see your idea, I hear it, but here's where I want to shift this piece of it that would take it to another level. Now, of course, from a process plan, I need to have all the details perspective. I will often, and maybe the right word is not drag my feet, but I often need to see where you're going with it. So it's almost, it's it's like this. What do we need? How do we get there? What's required? See, I'm low on the risk piece. You know what I'm saying? I'm low on the risk, right? Those of you, of you that have been around me and followed my content, I will periodically talk about risk management and and what does it mean to manage risk, which is an uncertain event that can have a positive or negative effect on a particular outcome or a particular project that you're working on. So I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to have nothing crash and burn for real, for real. So when it comes to alternative alternative ideas, when it comes to seeing another perspective, I'm 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 more open because I I, I want to see whatever the vision is that I'm looking to build and I and other people that are building with me. I wanna I wanna see it. I wanna see it. I wanna see it to so that it's the best that it can be. But then there's another part to this aspect where there may be some resistance to alternative ideas, opinions. So the importance of fighting with grace, having conflict with with grace, means that we're respecting one another's position without disrespect. And as a leader, and, and this is from my perspective, from what I've been learning, is that I do want people that have a diverse thought and opinion. No yes people, right? Like what Crystal Clark said. But what I love about seeing and offering different perspectives or even saying, hey, hey, Ash, that ain't gonna work, sis. Or, mm, okay, I think you need to go back to the drawing board. What it shows is I've got a stake in this and I value the work that is being produced, okay? Ha, I value the work that is being produced. So I love the aspect of, having impassioned opinions about things because what it does is that it sparks more curiosity, more thoughts, more ideas, which can be turned into action. So this Harvard Business Review article, shout out to Harvard Business Review. 
which they said, studies show that most mergers and acquisitions don't fail because of conflict, which I find that to be interesting, right? I would think that if two companies are merging together, that absolutely would be one of the factors. They fail from the organizational silence that stems from the fear of conflict. Ooh, the organizational silence. How deep is that? The organizational silence, okay? Which, so so here's the definition of, this is what happens when, it's a phenomenon that occurs when organizations, when people within organizations withhold information that is of common occurrence, all right? Like, so this is, you know, we not saying anything. Like, we not, like, we're just gonna, we're not gonna mention certain things because we fear conflict. I think that's deep. I don't know about y'all, but I think that is deep. This is the same reason that if you're looking for signs that a romantic couple is about to split, not talking is a better leading indicator than fighting a lot. Come on, HBR, with the couple's insights. While diverse thinking and disagreements can be uncomfortable, they are more likely to lead partners or a team to make progress, innovate, and come up with breakthrough solutions than consensus and nice conversations in which people hold back what they think. So let's unpack this a bit because this is a powerful, powerful excerpt from Harvard Business Review. And we're going to get into some more things that I found through some research. So organizational silence. So I'm imagining this to be something where there's an organized effort to restrict the voice of people from speaking up. Again, deep, right? That the the root of that is that there's fear of conflict. We don't want to see it. We don't like what it what it what exactly it brings about. We don't want to see any collateral damage. So we're just going to withhold information because that's easy. Mm, I'm telling you. Now, apparently in a 2012 study by Chad Brinsfield, there's six different motivations for employee silence, which are deviant silence is a purposeful withholding of necessary information as a means of defying the organization or putting others at odds. Relational silence occurs when an employee remains silent on the basis of not wanting to harm a relationship or have any negative relational consequences. Defensive silence occurs when the employee is fearful of the consequences of speaking up or the employee perceives that they would be negatively impacted by speaking up. Diffident silence occurs when the employee has a lack of self-confidence or lack of personal internal means by which to voice their opinions or information. Ineffectual silence states that the employee does not speak up because they assume that the information is not of enough importance or that the information would be ineffective in bringing about change. Disengaged silence is similar to Van Dyne and their co-workers. Acquiescent silence in which the employees have a lack of interest or is disengaged from the organizational values. However, disengaged silence differs from the acquiescent silence in a way that disengaged silence is based on the employee's perceived inability to make a change because of a lack of employees' perceived inability to make a change because of the lack of engagement with the organization or rather than a lack of interest. Wow. Okay. Th- listen, this is pretty deep, right? The six of th- these are six. Okay. And so I'm just going to pick out a couple and I will link this article in the show notes. 
But relational silence occurs when an employee remains silent on the basis of not wanting to harm a relationship or have any negative relational consequences. So let's picture this. You're on a team and you have a team member and maybe you got a a few of them and maybe there is an issue, but they're like, you know what? I'm not going to bring up nothing because I don't want to harm this relationship. I don't want to have any negative relational consequences. Now, I'd love to know if there's any other motivating factors, you know, are are there some are there benefits outside of this emotional piece i'd be interested defensive silence when the employee is fearful of the consequences of speaking up or the employee perceives that they would be negatively impacted by speaking up. Now, we've seen this in the workplace. We've seen it in organizations, right? Where you're seeing some things that are just not right. Somebody's mistreating someone. You know, maybe you see a policy, a process, and maybe you're just like, we keep going down the same rabbit hole. I see a pattern. But for whatever reason, it's that fear that you can't stand up, that you can't stand up. And I believe that we're in a day and age in which the way in which we're working The way in which that we are organizing, collaborating, communicating is different pre-2020 than it is now. Work is revolutionized in our approach, in our strategy, and by design. And so now more than ever, I'm seeing people who are previously would say, ah, I ain't getting in the middle of that, to saying, you know what? That's not right. And if you keep on keeping on, come on, somebody, you know about the keep on keeping on. If you keep on keeping on, it's not going to work out. Now more than ever, people got a boldness because we've been stripped of some of the distractions and some of the structure and how we're working, that there's a there's a new premium being placed on the way in which we're treating each other, the way in which companies are creating benefits, not just the pay and not just the insurance. We're talking about self-care. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about your overall health. We're talking about time off. Now, we got to get back to some of these points, but, you know, just a small tangent, but you know, this organizational silence, this aspect of stemming from the fear of conflict. Nah, that's not it. But I know that not everybody is there. Not all organizations and environments are there yet. So if you're one of those people that are listening right now and you are looking for a way to speak up, we're going we're gonna to give some tips where you can start making these steps. So always remember when it comes to the, to the point of there's an idea, there's a, you're working on a project, you're working on completing an assignment. And so there's a diverse set of opinions or there's a diverse perspective. There's something that someone shared with you or something that you need to share. It's important for you to go ahead and speak up because it has to not be about your own particular opinion. It has to be about the progress. It has to be about innovation. It it has to be about coming up with breakthrough solutions. And we got to move past having the nice conversations. My mother and my grandmother, may she rest in peace, has always said this. There's always a way to say something with respect. And I always hold true to that. Because one thing for me is that I know I'm highly passionate. And I'm a passionate person about whatever it is that I'm working working on or whatever it is that I'm doing. So I might come across very excited. And so I have to temper that if I have an alternative perspective. So what happens when there's conflict, you're working on a project and folks are not seeing eye to eye with the direction of the project, decisions that are being made, X, Y, and Z. Mm? What do we do? Let's take a walk. Let's center this. Okay. So I believe that as a leader, and I believe that those that 
are implementing the projects and, you know, that you could be called a project manager or an implementer or a director of operations or what have you. But if you're one of the leaders of a project, then there's something where it's so important, so very important that we're understanding that the vision is clear. I say this often, but I feel as though there's wasted time when we're not clear on what it is that we're building, launching, selling, and to identify the outcomes and to identify the goals and the metrics and the audience. And the scope, scope meaning what's required to get the project done. Knowing what's in scope and out of scope is a great place to start. There's something called shiny object syndrome where, to be quite honest, you're building something and you're like, hey, I saw something. Somebody else had it. And I'm like, man, I wonder if I can fit that in. I wonder if that would be something that would enhance my program, my virtual event my product that I'm selling, my service. So that's something to consider. Going back to the vision. Maybe we've forgotten what the vision is. Maybe we need to bring some clarity around the vision and the outcomes and the goals. That's number one. Number two is that, and this kind of goes into listening, really. I believe you have to listen. Understanding the point of view and whatever is the person's concern. So I'm always of the thought, instead of rushing to say, nah, no, you wrong, or that ain't it, then, then you know, one of the things that you have to look at when it comes to the, the POV is to say, let me, let me hear your, let me hear your perspective. Let me hear where you're coming from. Let me, let me actually go about seeing your perspective. Number three, no yelling or raising of voices. You know, that doesn't really help anybody. Ain't nobody trying to yell, okay? Ain't nobody trying to yell at nobody. So as a leader, you want to make sure that when issues are being discussed, that everybody is having a cool head. I only say that because I don't know how much that you could hear from an alternative perspective and point of view if you're yelling. That's just me. Number four is, I think, a very activity-based and centric type of solution, a step. Whiteboarding. Come on. Whiteboarding. I believe in whiteboarding the conflict. Get yourself a flow charting tool like Whimsical or Miro or a sticky thing, right? A little sticky thing. And a sticky board, I mean. And go ahead and whiteboard. Like, write out what the issue is and what the scenario is. You know what that does? That addresses what the problem or the issue is and not the person. I believe in visualization. That's why I use flow charting all the time with every client so that we can visually see what's happening on the sheet of paper or the digital sheet of paper. So the four areas in terms of how to approach what happens when team members don't see eye to eye with the vision or the direction Make sure the vision is clear and identify outcomes and goals, KPIs and such. Number two, understanding the other person's point of view and concern. Number three, no yelling or raising of voices. Number four, whiteboard your conflict. Whiteboard it out. Also, some bonus tips. Remember that we're all on the same team. That's why you got to go back to the vision, going back to the goal and making sure that everybody understands that we're on the same page and why we're on the same page. Keep it about facts, logic, and at the topic at hand, okay? It's facts, right? So even if it is, I feel like you're wrong, it's like, okay, 
Well, I feel like I'm right. But tell me in terms of facts, in terms of direction, in terms of research, in terms of evidence, help me, help me, help you, help me, help you see what the scenario scenario is that you're trying to paint. Okay. I think that is so important. Being intellectually humble. All right. So, you know, if you're going to fight with grace, we got to remember not to take things personal. Okay. We got to be curious enough, even with maybe the bad ideas, because we can build upon that for better ideas. All right. And so lastly, if you, even if you are wrong, that's okay, because you're getting again to the greater goal. You're getting back to the mission. You're getting back to what's in scope of the, for the project and what you're looking to accomplish. Well, that's it, y'all. Thank you all so much for another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash, How to Fight with Grace. We are in the communication breakdown season. I'm Ashley Shuler, your host. We are going to have the show notes below. Please leave a review and share this with three people, three people who are looking for ways in which they can, quote unquote, fight with grace. We'll see you next time. And this is Conversations with Ask Ash with your host, Ashley Schuler. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Ask Ash. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and follow Ashley on social media at Ashley Schuler underscore. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-H-U-L-E-R underscore.